Little Monsters Spooky Time Fright Hour, your source for the straight poop on all things supernatural. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you can call me Shibby. And I'm Ethan Sereski. And um, listen, it's just that I'm the one that has to die when it's time for me to die, man. So let me live my life the way I want to. Bringing back Hendrix again, huh? Yeah, that's uh, Jimmy Hen- Jimmy Hendrix, the rock star. Boy, Jimmy Hendrix, the guitar god. That that's who it was. It's like he's my co-host. It, it sometimes, sometimes he is. I, I really hope that you never do an entire episode as Jimmy. That would be rough. Oh, uh, that would. I would never. I, I I I know that it's not my strongest accent. It's 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 a decent impression. I I it's always identifiable. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, now that we've identified that that was Jimi Hendrix, can you identify to listeners the premise of our program? Well, like all weeks on Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, one of us this week, uh, me, Ethan, has done extensive research on a ghost, ghoul, goblin, demon, or some kind of cryptid monster. Mm -hmm. And the other one of us, you, Shibble. Shibble, Shibby, either one, yeah, has done me. absolutely nothing. Has really probably, I mean, I don't even, you've done some things around the house, maybe? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've kept myself busy. Oh, that's productive. But nothing having to do with this ghost, ghoul, demon, goblin, cryptid monster. No, and what is the monster this week? Well, the monster that you will be playing the audience surrogate for and that I will be explaining is the golem. Oh, the big man. The big man. Well, that's Shaq, but... A big man. A well, not big a man. man. Yeah, a big... Uh, a, a big thing. Yeah, right, well, exactly. into this big thing, I think we need to catch up on the latest, because it's time for A Cryptid Affair! <laughs> <laughs> this uh... one comes from Reuters. Mexican Congress holds hearing on UFOs featuring purported alien bodies. Oh, I, I saw the alien bodies. Did you? Yeah, they look, they don't look human. They look adorable. Yeah. Uh, Mexico City. Uh, Mexican lawmakers heard testimony that we are not alone in the universe and saw the alleged remains of non-human beings in an extraordinary hearing marking the Latin American country's first congressional event on UFOs. <laughs> Can you believe it? They never even bothered looking into them before. Yeah, really. Get it together, uh, Mexican Congress. Seriously. Get some stuff done like we do in America. Yeah. Uh, In the hearing on Tuesday on FANI, the Spanish acronym for what are usually now termed as Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, UAP. Right. And you pronounce that FANI, UAP in Spanish? Yeah. That's how they pronounce it. Gotcha. Uh, politicians were shown two artifacts that Mexican journalists uh, and longtime UFO enthusiast Jaime Moisan claimed were corpses of extraterrestrials. The specimens were not related to any life on Earth, Moisan said. The two tiny, in quotes, bodies, that's always a good sign, uh, <laughs> displayed in cases, uh, have three fingers on each hand and elongated head. Moisan said they were recovered in Peru 
near the ancient Nazca lines in 2017. He said they were about a thousand year old, uh, analyzed through carbon dating process by Mexico's National Autonomous University. Wait, uh, he similar... said that, or they were examined? He said it. Oh, he said it. Okay. Uh, similar Hi, such mate. finds in the past have turned out to be the remains of mummified children. Always. Um, Moisson said it was the first time such evidence had been presented. I think that there is a clear demonstration that we are dealing with non-human specimens that are not related to any other species in our world and that all possibilities are open for any scientific institution to investigate it, Moisson said. We are not alone, he added. Jose de Jesus Zalce Benitez. <laughs> Wait, who? Jose de Jesus Zalce Benitez. I like that. Director of the Scientific Institute for Health of the Mexican Navy said x-rays, 3D reconstructions, and DNA analysis had been carried out on the remains. I can confirm that these bodies have no relation to human beings, he said. <laughs> Unam on Thursday. Because uh, they're paper mache. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Uh, yeah, if you look at these things, it does look like they're made out of clay. Uh, UNAM on Thursday republished a statement first issued in 2017, saying the work by its National Laboratory of Mass Spectrometry with accelerators was only intended to determine the age of the samples. In no case do we make conclusions about the origin of those said samples, the statement uh. said. Lawmakers also heard from former U.S. Navy pilot Ryan Graves, who has participated in U.S. congressional hearings about his personal experience with UAP and the stigma reporting around such reporting such sightings. Fannies, right? Uh, sightings. Fannies. He's cited. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's what they call him. Right. Uh, uh con Congressman Sergio Gutierrez from President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador's ruling Morena party, said he hoped the hearing would be the first of other similar events in Mexico. We are left with reflections, with concerns, and with the path to continue talking about this, Gutierrez said. What are his concerns? Maybe there are, maybe there are aliens that landed in Peru a thousand years ago. I'd be a, why is that a concern? Well, what if they come back? And they say, what happened? We'll, we'll say, hey, hi, how are you? Didn't you get the message that the two guys a thousand years ago left? <laughs> Didn't you get our message? Whatever you do, don't harm our three-fingered friends. <laughs> yeah, look at us now. Yeah. Well, that is our the latest. tiny three-fingered paper mache friends. Well, that is the latest of uh, cryptid affairs. Uh, so let's get back to Dare Golem. I think you should, when you say, and that was a cryptid affair, I think you should get to hit the soundboard again. That's just You're right. Opinion. I should do that every time I say, a cryptid affair. Awesome. I love that. Now, uh, tell me, uh, so Dare Golem. Dare Go uh, why, do you, why did you make it Dare Golem? I think because I uh, there's a German expressionist film about the golem called Der Golem. Oh, by uh, Werner Herzog? Did no, he, he was not an expressionist. Uh, oh, he wasn't? No, uh, he was uh, working much later than the expressionist. He was a realist. Uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. He may be a, a modernist. I don't, 
No, maybe a naturalist. I don't know. In any case, uh, so I I didn't do any research about Dracoma. No, you didn't. Well, other than watching the film. Yeah, but that was ages ago. And also what I picked up from Dungeons and Dragons where golems are big things. Oh, well, you know that much. Yes. Well, uh, the way I'd like to start is you don't know a thing about them. Except for so, the things I just said. Well, that's not much to go on. I'm counting that as nothing. I mean, a that's, big thing. that's effectively nothing because I can't tell the truth from fiction. That's what I need you to do. Really? That's what I'm here for. So, I mean, when I say golem, Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me in your mind's eye, in that little crystal skull in your, in your head, not Mm -hmm. your crystal skull, the crystal skull located in the middle of the temple in your mind. Yes. When I say der golem, what do you picture? Uh, I picture a a little man that loves magical rings and he he feels that they're quite (laughs) precious to him. Do you know what I mean? Like he just, he's crazy about this ring. He loves it. You are, you know what? I'm going to give you a full point for that. Okay. I'll take it. That's one on the board. You'll see why later, but you are going to get a full point. I mean, that was, uh, that was genius. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Am I right? Am I correct? Is it a little man that's crazy about no, rings? Uh, Dergolem is not Dergolem. Oh, it's a pronunciation thing. It is a pronunciation thing. And, and you know what? It's my fault because I've been saying it a little. Uh, you know, I, I don't always enunciate. So, Der golem. Der so, now, do you hear the difference? Der golem. Do you hear Okay. It? So he's okay. a little man that's crazy about soccer. <laughs> now you have it. Do you have another right. guess? Uh, no, I got to say that's my last one. Okay. Well, you are wrong. Uh, Der golem is... is not their golem. Yeah. Sorry, the Plinko chip did not land in the 10,000. I love Plinko. That's one of the better ones. I would want to play that, but I feel like I would lose and I'd be super embarrassed because how easy is it? Well, it's all luck. Plinko's too much challenge. I'd want the one where you play mini golf. Oh, or I, would you rather a game where you guess prices or a physical like Plinko game? Well, I feel like I do the grocery shopping in our house, so I might be decent with prices. But all those prices are going to be L.A. prices. I bet those are different. That's so, yeah, it's all L.A. prices are different. It's also like stereo systems and like lawn care equipment. Yeah, I guess at once you're, uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean that's for the the prize when you're all bidding. The, yeah, well, I'm talking about when you're further along in the game. I mean, I'm figuring you already got your way onto the show. Well, I was thinking that you know if I was uh up there doing the game where you have to play mini golf. I forget which one it's called. That's the one where you need to like guess the price of a box of Brillo pads to move yourself up a foot. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, If I was that hole in fun, then yeah, I could probably guess the price of a box of Brillo pads and then I could get two feet closer. And then I guess the price of a bottle of Dawn liquid detergent and (laughs) move up another two feet, you know, what's the price of Dawn liquid detergent? Uh, is that going to be the 16 ounce? <laughs> Either one. Uh, I'm going to say that's Dawn 329. I'm going to 329. I will check later on in the episode. 329. Um, now, Shibble, you are right about Dergolem, wrong about Dergolem, and there's only one way that I know that I can explain this to you. 
Oh, geez. Is it story time? Is it narrative fiction story time? It's narrative fiction, and yes, it's story time. <gasps> it's story time. Story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story time! It's story time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story, story time! Story time! <clears throat> This story is entitled Golem. No, I'm going to retitle it. Can I? No, no I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you took the time to tell us that. Yeah, no, it's called something else now. It's called Know When to Hold Him, Know When to Golem. Now you're talking. Yeah, I just thought of that because I'm high. Ready? Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Okay, I heard it. I heard it the first time. <laughs> I accidentally pressed the infinity button. Uh, go on. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Story time. David Levin giggled and shit himself. <laughs> Mrs. Pudamat advanced to the sandbox and picked the three-year-old up in one swift motion smiling and cooing to the toddler. The remaining kids in the sandbox hardly noticed as children are very self-concerned. Rachel Davis was digging a hole with her beach bucket and proclaimed that she was going to make a tunnel to China. Corey Feidelson and Jason Berkson were making a great sandcastle. It really looked shitty, but they were using their imaginations. Avner Fink was alone in the corner of the sandbox eating his own boogers. Rachel caught sight of the act that Avner was engaging in and screamed, embarrassing the rabbi's son. Well, slightly embarrassed, I suppose, because he continued digging in his proboscis. Corey and Jason laughed and made ew sounds, pointing and laughing at Avner. This was a typical day in the sandbox at the Bridgeport JCC preschool. Everyone was having a great time, and Avner think was gross. It was like clockwork. Avner had webbed toes that the other children had noticed at swim that gave him an air of weirdness. This was only complemented by his full-body purple birthmarks. Many of these were in the shape of small maps of Israeli settlements. Avner was also overweight, but never used the stairs at the shallow end to get out of the JCC pool. Instead, he went to the side and swung, swung one leg over and pulled himself out very slowly and deliberately. He was also the son of a holy man, and most unfortunately of all, he was named Avner Fink. Suddenly, sand was pouring down Avner's head and face. It was itchy and going down his dungarees. He turned around and saw Rachel Davis giggling hysterically. David Levin, Corey, and Jason noticed and became hysterical with laughter also. They all joined in and soon Avner was buried up to his waist in sand. Avner did not say a word. In fact, he just cried one single solitary tear. It slid down his cheek and landed in the sand, wetting it and making the spot pliant and moist. This gave Avner an idea, a very son-of-a-rabbi idea. The next day at JCC Preschool, the day went by quickly. The kids enjoyed a game of kickball, some arts and crafts, and a music class singing Hebrew songs with an accordion player named Svee. T-Z-V-I. Svee. Fair that enough. was the man's name. He smoked non-filtered cigarettes. In no time at all, it was time for a trip to the playground. 
Avner Fink found himself in the sandbox alongside his playmates again. Rachel Davis was digging another tunnel to China, her first one having been unsuccessful. David Levin, Corey Feidelson, and Jason Berkson were enjoying the sand as well. Avner was perched in the corner, again eating the remains he found caked inside of his nostrils. But he wasn't doing so absentmindedly. He had formed a plan last night after sneaking into his father's private study. Avner was through being buried in sand and harassed for his webbed toes and purple map birthmarks. He wanted to eat from his nose in peace. Avner brought the hose over from the toy shed and quietly began wetting much of the sand in the oversized sandbox. Mm. He began molding the pliant sand into a humanoid shape. It grew and grew as Avner added more sand. Soon it was much bigger than Avner himself. The sand sculpture was ready for the final touch. Avner took a stick from the ground and carved the Hebrew word emet in the sand creature's forehead. At the same moment, Mrs. Pudamat came over and put her arm around Avner. Oh, little Avner, is that the Golan Heights? As she asked, tracing the edge of one of Avner's more detailed birthmarks. No, Pudamat, this is vengeance. <laughs> At that moment, the word emet pulsed a glowing red on the sand humanoid's forehead. Its arm twitched. Then it moved ever so slightly. The other children were all looking on in amazement. Pudamat was shocked and stared open-mouthed. She began to ask Avner what he had done, but before the word came forth, the creature reached its sand arm forward and grabbed her by the throat. It squeezed, and her throat exploded, spraying <sighs> blood over Rachel Davis's new party dress. The other children immediately began to scream and ran toward the teacher's assistant. Her name was Janice. The sand creature beat its chest and roared. It turned away from Avner and walked toward the fencing separating the playground from the surrounding neighborhood. Avner cried out for the creature to stop. The creature never called him the Fink. The creature never tried to dunk his head in the JCC pool. The creature had only seemed mildly concerned with his schnoz digging in the brief moments before it rose. This helped Avner to realize that the creature was, in fact, his best friend. And now mm. his best friend was leaving him. The sand creature was currently tearing a hole through the fencing and heading into traffic. The children were herded inside over Pudamat's corpse as the sound of crashing vehicles and explosions echoed outside. Screams marred the peace of the quiet outdoors and the street began to run red with blood as the sand creature slaughtered a path through Bridgeport and Fairfield and made its way to nowhere in particular. It would take Avner's father and three other rabbis, and even a cantor's off-key wailing, to deactivate the animated Judaic Defender. Mm. And that's why one should never let a web-footed toddler summon that great servile homunculus of Judaic lore, the Golem. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Wow. How many of those were real people that you knew? Every single one. Okay, I thought so. That was my suspicion. Yeah, I mean, they, I, none of them had real characteristics, except Avner. Poor Avner Fink. Hope he's he doing had, all right out there. He had webbed feet. I made him a hero in the story, I thought. I thought he came off well. I mean, you did make him uh, the creator of a murderous monster. No, but I gave him a friend. That uh, murdered a school teacher. Yeah, she was a Holocaust survivor. Her name was Pudamat. I just wanted her in the story because I loved Pudamat. 
It's a great name. It's a shame that after surviving everything that Hitler did, she could not survive Omner Fink and his notorious sand golem. Yeah, really. That, that's true. I didn't think about that. I probably shouldn't have killed off Putamat. Isn't that a great name? Like, I'll never forget her because, and I don't know how much of it, I mean, she was incredibly sweet, but I've met a lot of very sweet old women. But Putamat, you know, like, I'll never forget that sound. Yeah, it's a beautiful sound. It reminds me of laundry. So we've got uh, uh, a, uh, a Sandman. It's not sand. It doesn't need to be sand. It's mostly clay or mud, but, you know, they were in a sandbox. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Well, boy. Do you know I actually recall digging a a tunnel to China with Rachel Davis with uh, her bucket? Oh, how far did you guys make? Um, uh, Like Fiji? I think we got to the bottom of the sandbox, maybe? Yeah, that probably would be. There's probably... Because it's There's a box, wood. it would have a bottom, yeah. Yeah, would but we would have gotten to China had there not been a bottom. If only you had some way of getting through that wood. Yeah, seriously. This we is why kids can't tools. use power tools. Yeah, right. What were you saying? Sorry. Oh, I was saying, okay, Der Golem. Boy, yes, I can't wait Der to Golem. tell me all about it. Give me give me the big picture, and then let's dig into some facts. Well, before I get going, I there, there was this one article, and I copied and pasted this one sentence because it made me laugh. Ready? Yes. This is how it started. The golem is the prom king of Jewish monsters. Everyone knows its name, and it's a big brawny hulk. I was a prom king. I wasn't a big brawny hulk. Isn't it hunk? Like, it's not even, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what sentence is that? It's not the prom king of Jewish monsters. Like, what? What made them think that? Obviously, well, obviously the estries is going to be the prom queen of Jewish. Oh, for sure. They're, oh, they're, they, they are the center of attention. For and sure. it's funny that it's taken us uh, three Jewish monsters. This is the first time you're doing one of the Jewish monsters. Oh, I've that's I've done the true. previous two. You're finally yeah. embracing your heritage, your people. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the golem is, uh, well, I mean, the Sharika Panda I'd never heard of. So, and the estries I'd never heard of. So that, this is finally one that, that I, I feel, uh, I was that you had a vague familiar. Okay. Well, you know, I just wanted to learn more about it. I knew it was, you know, a thing you made out of something and it came alive. That's all I knew. Okay. So it's like a magical automaton. Right. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Now that we're past that first sentence, uh, the most popular origin story about this uh, monstrous Colossus Hulk uh, traces back to Rabbi Judah Lowe. Low. Mm. I'm going to call him Judah Lowe of Prague also known as the Maharal, a great scholar and mystic. He fashioned a living being out of mud in the mid-1500s. The Maharal is said to have done this by channeling the safe life-building kavanot, Mm. that is intentions, that God used when creating Adam. Oh, so a little bit of uh, walking in God's footsteps there. Yeah, some divine power. That's I mean, a little. Uh, that's a little hubris to me. Yeah, I don't, was, is that? Oh no, no, no. He was anointed as a Christian. Would say whenever, whenever Christians are use hubris, they go, no, no, no. We're anointed. Okay, no. So he was. So this was. This was. He's. He's venerated. This is not a, a story. He's not considered a bad guy from. No, from... no, 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 no. He's uh, much venerated. The Maharal. Okay. Uh, and so he wrote the Hebrew word for truth. Emmet, and I didn't recognize it right away, but T's and S's, depending on where you're from, are reverse. Mm. Boppy, whenever she, my grandma, who's 99, love her, love you, Bop. 
um, whenever she was mad at me because I lied to her, she would go, say the truth. And I would be like, no, I like I didn't do it. And she'd be like, say Emmis. Emmis is Emmett. And I would, mm. and then when she said say Emmis, I'd be like, all right, I did it. Because I could never lie to her when she said say Emmis. So yeah. She knew that. So Emmis is Emmett. And that's okay. what they wrote across the golem's forehead. And that's what animated it. Okay. The, the, the truth of God's words. Exactly. Um, and it, when you want to power down, uh, or when uh, Lo, Rabbi Lowe uh, in Prague wanted the golem to power down, uh, which he did every Shabbat, because God forbid your automaton works over the Sabbath. No, that's, that's really a, why he powered it down. That's a sin, Vashanda. Yeah. He's like, it's a Jewish monster. Uh, so the Maharal, array, I'm going to call him Rabbi Lowe. I don't know why he gets a, like a, the Ma, I'm the Maharal now. Uh, Rabbi Lowe erased, this is cool. He erased the first letter, which is an Aleph, mm -hmm. which also is the shorthand for Elohim, a name of God. Yeah. But you're not so, supposed to say God's like name in Judaism, right? Like you're not supposed well, to say. Well, that's Hashem. Yeah. You're not supposed to say that. You just, you're, you just did it though. Right, I tricked you. Then, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Now I'm yeah going... baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hashem, baby. Yeah. Um, so when you take out the olive, this leaves two letters, the mem and tav. So mm -hmm. instead of emet, you get met. And that means death. Wow, cool. So you technically kill the golem by removing okay. God from its forehead, the God symbol. And you can revive it by returning God to the word death and making it uh, truth again. Powerful, powerful metaphor. Isn't that dope? That is dope. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, one of the more frightening bits of lore involving the original golem stems from World War II. I don't find this frightening. I, I thought it could have been better. The story goes that when the Nazis overran Prague in their 1939 conquest of Czechoslovakia, mm -hmm. uh, R.I.P. that name, a high up member of the Thule Society. Boo. You know the Thule Society, right? Yeah, Nazi occultists. Bad guys. Yeah, yeah they bad were for combo. The Holy like when, when the Nazi's head gets cut off in Last Crusade, he's probably Thule Society. No? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Were you thinking about that for a while? No, you froze you just... up a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were just picturing the movie. Um, mm. So legends spoke of a locked room in the back of an attic where the golem wa was deactivated, right? And, and this is during the It's been sitting there since the 1500s? Yeah. Awaiting the return okay. of its olive. Someone had its olive, you know? The Nazi mm -hmm. broke the lock and entered the room a minute later, he returned, and his hair was all white. Like, literally, his hair had turned white. And he said, no one goes in there, he commanded. Not now, not again, not ever. And he never spoke about what he saw. Mm. So how do we know that happened? Um, because that's the story. Okay. Do you have yeah. any facts for me this week? Of course. And this is why you get a point. Because we have Layla Presents... Gollum facts. Yes. Layla presents Gollum facts. Number one, Gollum is a Grendel. He's a Grendel, huh? He's a Grendel, not a Grendel, a Grendel. He's a Grendel, okay. He's a Grendel. Okay. Gollum is actually based on the character Grendel from the old English epic, epic poem what? Uh, that's uh, Beowulf. 
Yes, sir. A once human outcast, Grendel's body is twisted into a monstrous form. He emerges from hiding to murder patrons of a mead hall because he is tormented by their inaccessible merriment. I could see that that reminds me very much of Gollum, the way he was always murdering mead halls. No, because he <laughs> he twisted into a monstrous form. I just wanted to include the mead hall murdering. Fair and he was a once human outcast. I mean, he is. It, I it, thought he used to be a hobbit. Well, Grendel was a once human, and Gollum yeah. is a once hobbit. Okay, okay, okay. I see what you're getting at. Okay. Yeah, there you got it. All right. We got there. Number two Gollum was retconned. Boy, okay. In The Hobbit's first 1937 edition, Gollum was quite different than the mad, ring-obsessed creature we know today. Tolkien Mm -hmm. originally wrote him as a jolly fellow who wants to award Bilbo the ring for correctly answering riddles. He loved riddles. Yeah, he was a shrinx. Yeah, Uh, he was was a little (laughs) bit of a a sphingy. Uh, when the when the ring goes missing, Gollum is most apologetic, and he offers Bilbo a tasty fish as consolation. That's nice of him. I learned that he loves fish. Yeah, because he lived in that cave, and that was all he could eat. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know I, much about Lord of the Rings. I think so. I'm mostly I know it from the the two Rankin Bass cartoons. Oh, I don't I don't know those either. Oh, they're great. Check um, them out. Bilbo's a funny name, though. It is. Mostly because it sounds, you know, it sounds like Yeah, it sounds sounds a little bit like Dildo. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dildo. Um, When you were younger, did you think that ever? Like when you heard Bilbo for the first time? When I heard uh, Bilbo for the first time, I don't think I had heard the word Dildo for the first time. Oh, well, I I was introduced to it at the right time. Number three, Gollum was a trust fund baby. Yeah, that sounds like him. Schmeagel was born into the most prominent Schmeagel was born yeah. into the most prominent family among the river folk. His well-to-do family near uh, lived near Gladden Fields, where he and his cousin Deagle enca- mm-hmm. <laughs> such nerdy shit. Deagle yeah. encountered the ring during an ill-fated fishing trip, always with the fish. Yeah, after murdering. Bad. After murdering Deagle to claim ownership of his birthday present, quote-unquote, Schmeagel turned into an entitled bastard using the ring to steal and spy on his neighbors. Yeah, yeah, real son of a gun. Was he a nice guy before he found the ring, or no? I think so. I, I don't know too much about that era Schmeagel. But that I would think... be a good movie for you to write with Jim Wynorski. Uh, the the what was his whoever he was before he yeah uh, Schmeagel the Schmeagel movie just said it yeah uh, yeah I I'm pretty sure we couldn't afford the rights Schmeagel Origins and it's just like a comedy somebody just made that video game really yeah they made a video game where it's like Gollum well it doesn't go back that far but it's Gollum before uh, he. Gave up the ring to Bilbo when he was just like running around being a little freaky monster man. Oh, so you like look through windows at people and stuff like that? No, I think he he had been cast out of Hobbit society at this point. Oh. So he's just like avoiding getting killed by ogres and shit. It was apparently not very good. He It, it doesn't sound very good. I, I think it'd be much funnier to do like a, a movie where it's just about Schmeagel and he's fun. Like I think it'd be Jim Carrey. 
Yeah, and he's just like peeping in windows. It's like a sex comedy. Like an yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes, like like screwballs. Yes, exactly. Like Porky's. Yeah, like Porky's. Oh my god, Schmeagel. Origins is like Porky's. That's a good movie. I'd watch that. I oh my god, are you kidding me? I would be all over that. Okay. So back to uh Golem. Yes, correct? the original Golem. Okay. Um uh, Nazis, 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 Nazis. Um, oh, I missed the joke I wrote about the golem and the Nazi and the rape. Okay, I'll skip it. So okay, yeah, is... let's skip the old rape joke. Never yeah, no, have a problem it was with well that done. one. It was, but it, it's you know, it was back a paragraph. So, what is a golem? <laughs> ah, thank you, thank you for the joke in theory. Yeah. Uh, so, what is a golem? A golem is an animated anthropomorphic being in Jewish folklore, which is entirely created from clay or mud. I get the feeling it could be created from like dust or sand or anything, really. In Dungeons and Dragons, you can make golems out of a bunch of different things. And depending on what you make them out of, they'll have different characteristics. Oh, that's cool. Like you can, if you make them out of mud, that's sort of, or clay, that's your more traditional Jewish golem. But you can also have like ones made of stone that are just like a living statue. You can make them out of flesh and they're like a Frankenstein. Huh. Uh, you can make them out of, uh, but it's like a Frankenstein without any kind of will. Uh, you can make them out of, if you get into like more obscure Dungeons and Dragons expansions, you can make them out of, let's say, salt or human brains or gravestones or dolls or stained glass. Uh, and That's I can really get cool. you some rules for those if you're interested. Yeah, it, it is cool. The golems. I, are cool. I think it's cool. I'm not. I'm not joking. I mean, they do they have a computer game version of it, like a video game version of that? They just released Baldur's Gate three. If you wanted to get a uh, computer game version of Dungeons and Dragons, that would be sick. What do you? Okay, I'll ask you later. I haven't played it, so I don't know if it's any good. Oh, you're like fuck that. I, I, I that's not OG. Yeah, no, if I'm going to play Dungeons and Dragons, I play Dungeons and Dragons. You're like, I need to talk to my actual dungeon master. Like, that's not a real dungeon master. And speaking of talking to my actual dungeon master, we're still in line to get my actual dungeon master, Hal Johnson, on the show. Keep an ear out for that coming later in the season, listeners. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him about dungeon mastering. But also keep an ear out for right now, because we've got the hot new segment this season. Oh, shit. Listeners are dying to know, do you have any updates for us? Have you no. been <laughs> hearing back from anybody on the apps? Uh, I haven't 
I haven't returned any messages. Okay, so you're not writing back to them. No, I, I, I mean, I haven't. There's, I've gotten. I could check. Should I have checked? No, I mean, you should be doing whatever you're doing. I'm just trying to get an update. Oh no, I, I, I kind of got there was there was some girls who I was talking to, and I guess we're still talking, but. I but guess, it, it hasn't lit that flame under you to take that next step. No, no. The uh, the uh, the the uh, the what's it called? The consultant is. Uh, oh, one someone yelled at me. Oh, geez, why did they yell at you? What happened? Uh, they go, so you're proud to be Jewish, huh? And I go, w-? I go, what? On but, on J date, they were saying on J date. I go, what? Um, go, sort of. And I looked at her profile and she was like hyper Jewish. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate you. And she's like, um, she's like, you call yourself one pretty Jew. Cause my name is one pretty Jew on the, oh shit. Well, I can edit. I'll, I'll bleep that out. Uh, no, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. If you want to find yeah, and yeah, send yeah. Ethan a like on a J date, just like. for username, one pretty Jew. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Don't do that, guys. Uh, so um, she obviously took offense to that, and and she was like, she was like, um, we, something to the effect of because I said that, I'm saying that I'm prouder than she is about Judaism. Wow. Okay, this seems like a great person to not go on a date with. They really. No, I'm actually out of everyone now. I'm interested. Okay, you're a little standoffish. You like that yeah. little fire? No, she seems like a piece of shit. But I, oh. would, I just want to meet. Some, I want to meet the person who saw the name One Pretty Jew and my smiling sweet face and was like, "What a dickhead! What an asshole!" Like I look like so nice in my pic. I look super nice, and like One Pretty Jew is there's no meanness whatsoever. There's no malice mm-hmm. whatsoever, and I'm Jewish. Yeah, it seems like. I think sometimes you're attracted to girls that you can like have a compatible relationship with a little bit. Compatible? Com- combative. Oh, yeah, no. I this girl's pretty and I hate her. Yeah, you seem to like to hate the gals with you're with a little bit. You like to have um, that little edge. Yeah, no, no, cuz I I mean I have I have a bunch of exes who uh were fine, you know. See, look at how the ones you're describing that you didn't hate. They were fine. I don't know. Uh, so we've got, uh, speaking of uh, Judaism, have you considered creating yourself a beautiful lady golem? Uh, you know, I I haven't gotten to that point yet because I, I, I seem to be getting good reaction. First of all, I, I'm not in good shape right now, and I'm also writing ridiculous things because I'm like, I talk to them like they're you and I'm still getting a good response from the, yeah. from the ladies on the website. So I figure if I went to like a regular website, like a regular dating website and acted funny, but more, but less scary, I mm-hmm. think I could do all right. There you go. Yeah. I, I don't uh, get too concerned with people that are people being too like, concerned with looks at our age and that becomes less and less important so don't get caught up feeling insecure about how you look it doesn't matter oh, it's never you know what's funny it's never mattered before i because i i look back at pictures and i was like god i was handsome and back then i was like god how did i trick this girl mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you just got to get back to tricking them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, getting get it into my head that I've already tricked them somehow with my charm. Yeah, perfect. All right, that's that's but, the mindset I'll go out there with. All right, keep us updated. We'll listeners tune back in. We'll see how that strategy pans out. But back to the golem. Uh, back to the golem. golem yes. Yes. Where are we at? Where are we at? Catch me up. Uh, according to Moment Magazine, the golem is a highly mutable metaphor with seemingly limitless symbolism. It mm. can be a victim or villain, man or woman, sometimes both. Mm. The Republicans hate that. Uh, yeah. Over the centuries, it has been used to connote war, community, isolation, hope, and despair. Okay. In, in modern Hebrew, uh, golem is used to mean dumb or helpless. Uh, because yeah, they they sort of, they don't have their own free will, right? No, they, they, that's... they get ordered around by their creator. They're like angels. Uh, angels, I think, have free will. They just nope. don't have souls. That's the difference between them and humans. No, I think soul is the difference between them and humans. Wrong. Then how did Look they rebel against God? Look it up. How did they rebel against God then? Oh yeah, Christianity makes sense. Hey, I'm telling if if you're gonna say that they can rebel against God, then they have to have free will. I'm not saying that they do or don't. I'm saying that it's doctrine that the difference between... Whose doctrine? The, Christ, the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church says angels don't have free will. Yes. All right. Well, keep an ear out for our upcoming episode about angels where we'll dig into that. Yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> we should have a segment where we disagree and we find out next episode who was right. All right. Write down to look up this week who is right about angels having free will. And also about the price of dawn. And the price of dawn, uh, three nineteen. I'm holding. Yes. Still. Now, uh, Golem passed into Yiddish as Goylem, which is funny because I called Boppy and asked her if she knew anything about Golem, and she's like, "No." She goes, "I know Goylem. It, was, it means a good for nothing." And I was like, okay. "No, no, no. I'm talking about a cryptid." But it says here it passed into Yiddish as Goylem, as a good for nothing or someone uncaring about themselves or others. Hmm. Yeah, because so, they're just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, no free will. Yeah, what a life. Like, oh, I can't think of anything. Free <laughs> from that existential dilemma. That's true. Um, now, the oldest uh, story of a golem, I love this. Okay. In the Talmud, Adam was initially created as a golem when mm. his dust was kneaded into a shapeless husk. Kneaded into a shapeless husk, in quotes, Okay. From the Talmud. Like Adam, all golems are created from mud by the divine or those close to the divinity. But no anthropogenic uh, golem is fully human. Yeah, they well, don't have like eternal organs. They're all just still clay. So you need God to make them into actual like flesh and have a, that free will. So how did, so in the Talmud, they don't, they didn't tell me in the story, but I mean, what did God touch Adam and make him from a go golem to a human like Pinocchio? Yeah, he took him. He's he was able to take it to that next step. It's like a Pokemon evolution. Do you think he had to go to the land of the foxes first, where there all the bad little boys were? Oh, uh, and avoid getting turned into a donkey. Yeah, that. Yeah, the donkeys, not the foxes. Ah, uh, it's such a scary scene. Oh my god, you're scared by that too. That fucking freaks me out, dude. Yeah, everybody's scared of that scene, man. It, okay, I thought. It, oh, I thought it was just me because it's like it's like hell. Yeah, no, it's 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 genuine body horror. Oh my god, it's fucking super scary. All right. Uh, during the Middle Ages, passages from the Book of Formation were studied as a means to create and animate a golem. 
although little in the writings of Jewish mysticism supports that belief. It was believed that golems could be activated by an ecstatic experience induced by the ritualistic use of various letters of the Hebrew alphabet, forming any one of the names of God. Okay, so you need more than the Aleph, the Met, and the Tau. Well, that's this is a, a, another reading on it. Okay, okay. So those are just like the on-off letters, but there might have been a whole bunch of letters scrolled oh, all yeah. over. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and think about it. I mean, maybe there's other commands you can write into it. Yeah, turn left, get groceries. Well, you could tell you know, it to do anything, but I mean, maybe you could program it, you know, with certain, you know, what are those directives? Uh, prime directives? Prime directives, right, yeah. Or like uh, the, the three laws, Asimov's three laws? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the, uh, I read something that, that uh, uh, posited that the Terminator was golem-like. Oh, I'd see that for sure. Yep. Uh, by the way, the earliest known written account of how to create a golem can be found in, uh, this is for all of you looking to create a golem. Yes. This is the the segment I was specifically, uh, excited for. Yeah. All of you who are as lonely as I am, uh, can create a golem. So you're not as lonely. Uh, you should have tried to make one for the show today and, and then brought him or her on. Well, I did. Hold on. Oh, oh, wait. Hold on one second. I guessed it. I guessed it, didn't I? Hello. Can you put Ethan back on? I feel like this is not going to be scintillating radio. Hello, Shibble. I got to say, not very responsive to my questions. Well, you wouldn't talk to my golem. I'm, I'm a little upset. Uh, the earliest well, I, known... What? They just sort of grunted at me, and I realized very quickly. I, I have a sixth sense for podcasting at this point. Oh, do you? Okay, because he always grunts before he goes into a good answer. But oh, whatever. God damn it. Uh, now, the earliest account of how to create a column can be found in Sode Rezaia by Eleazar ben Judah of Worms. Okay. <laughs> Which is a great nickname. Elia- Eleazar ben Judah of Worms. There was uh, a famous... Uh, anyway, it's not related to this. Okay, Eleazar. Uh, Samuel... I-, I went to high school with a guy named Eleazar. He was really funny. He was a good dude. What? He was a good dude? Yeah, his name was Eleazar Steve, and every teacher, when reading his name for the first Steve time, Eleazar. assumed that, it, yeah, yeah, every fucking class, it was hilarious. <laughs> you know, you know like, the, no, it's my, my first name is Eleazar, actually. On the first day of seventh grade, this is a double double thing, real quick. On the first day of seventh grade, all the teacher, the no, one teacher, Mrs. Burkhart, went around the room and asked for all our names and our nicknames, and most people didn't have a nickname. And she got to me and I go, I'm Ethan. You can call me sexy. And mm. I got in so much trouble. Like yep. Mr. Mr. Oh, I forget his name, but he called my mom. But that's not the funniest part of the story. The funniest part of the story is she got to the end of the classroom and she gets to a guy named George O'Brien. He, that's his real name. She, he goes, I'm George O'Brien. You can call me Gambit. <laughs> George O'Brien. <laughs> fucking rules i know that was fucking dope i mean good i mean he was dead serious like he was like that'd be cool if everyone called me gambit. everyone everyone should call me gambit i know i Now's i, the, I, I, I gotta shoot gambit. my shot yeah i uh, this is my last damn chance if only at that point you had said call me underwater panther you could have gotten a jump i i said call, i was in seventh grade and i said call me sexy i mean that is really inappropriate it's it, it, a prep school. yeah it, it is very reasonable for you to get in trouble for that i'm gonna say but this was the 90s. Yeah. Boy, it was a different time back then. Am I right? 
Yeah, I was, if I thought that was okay. Samuel of Spire in the 12th century was said to have created a golem as well. And mm-hmm. one source credits 11th century Solomon Ibn Gavidol with creating a golem female for household chores. Oh, that's kind of sexist that the household chores one had to be female. Why didn't he make a male one to do his household Yeah. I mean, that won't look right. <laughs> I, you should have made a female one to go to war or uh, <laughs> uh, fix a car. I don't know. <laughs> Going to war is a man thing? Uh, I mean, not in my eyes, but not, you know. Going to you war. You know. Yeah, I do know. I agree with you. Now, this guy knows. I do know. Uh, let's talk about the golem of Helm. Helm? Uh, Helm. Okay, Helm. Yes. Uh, a Polish Kabbalist um, hmm. with a red bracelet like Madonna, writing in about 1630, reported the creation of a golem by Rabbi Eliyahu. And I okay. have heard, in a certain and explicit way, from several respectable persons, that one man close to our time, whose name is Eliyahu, the master of that name, who made a creature out of matter and form, and it performed hard work for him, and for a period, and the name of Emmet was hanging upon his neck, until he finally removed it for a certain reason, the name from his neck, and it turned to dust. Aww. That's mean. He was like, here, come do... <laughs> he died, and they got that sound. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> I can't wait till someone we don't like dies and we can play that. Oh, yeah. We'll keep an eye out. Um... <laughs> Can you think of someone? <laughs> Not recently. Okay, I guess, okay. uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, according to the Polish Kabbalist, the legend was known to several persons, allowing us to speculate that the legend had circulated for some time before it was committed to writing, so it could be even earlier than the 16th century. Uh, 15th, uh, 17th century, excuse me. Okay, and so the, the Kabbalists, that's like a Jewish wizard's. Uh, it's someone who studies the Kabbalah, which is a book of Jewish mysticism. Okay, Jewish mystics. Yeah, yeah. Definitely okay. not magicians or wizards. Okay, th- but I mean, they were casting magical spells bringing to life golems. Well, I guess some of them were magicians. Or, I, yeah. or that's not a magician, that's a wizard. Yeah. I mean, magicians I, I feel like do these, card cha- tricks. these uh, yeah, stage magicians, but you could say, uh, 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 ritualistic magicians do magic. That's true. That's yeah. true. I apologize. Um, do you want to hear about the golem of Vilna? Yes. Give me. God, how many golems are there? It seems like there's just been a bunch of them. Well, that's why. I mean, that's why people talk about them so much because every time you turn around, there's another fucking golem. I know. It's like you're bumping into them. They're taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs. Do you know how many golem you probably met and didn't even realize they were working in a store where a real human lost his job? Yeah, well, I mean, how do you think Walmart looks so stocked up every morning? Golems working there all night. I went to my 7-Eleven, seriously, like three, four days ago, and I went to the front with my stuff, and I was like, how much is that? And he goes, Bleh. and I was like, there's another one. Yeah, and then you looked at his hands, and they were made out of clay. Yeah, I was like, oh, clay hands. He hands you back your change, and they're all, like, red and so. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rabbi Chaim Volozhin uh, in 17... Uh, God bless you. <laughs> thank you. 
uh, reported in an introduction to Sifra de Gienuta that he once presented uh, to his teacher, the Vilna Gaon, ten different versions of a certain passage in the Sefer Yitzira and asked the Gaon to determine the correct text. The Gaon immediately identified one version as the accurate rendition of the passage. The amazed student then commented to its teacher that with such clarity, he should easily be able to create a live human. Mm. Uh, he the made Gaon, a golem so good, he could take it to the next step. The Gaon affirmed Rabbi Chaim's assertion and said that he once began to create a person when he was but a child, okay. under the age of 13. But during the process, he received a sign from heaven ordering him to desist because of his tender age. Mm, yeah, you don't want to find yourself in a weird science situation. No, that's exactly what would happen. That's funny. <laughs> you would definitely just make a golem with with a big old pair of tits <laughs> that would be like really disproportionate. <laughs> and... Like like yeah. a kid's drawing of a naked lady. Yeah, and you'd be <laughs> yeah, and then you would never leave your room. You'd never grow into an adult, and that's why kids shouldn't have access to AI. Oh, that's true. They shouldn't have access to porn. I, I, I did my best to make sure my daughter had no access to the computer for as much time as I could. Not to the computer, but the internet without me monitoring yeah. it. Yeah. I had programs where I could uh, lock her out of every site except the ones I whitelisted. There you go. Yeah, it, it, that seems easier than finding ones to blacklist. Is to find yeah, out. no, because it's everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so much out there. Now, would you like some Layla Presents Gollum Facts? Yes, I would love some Layla presents Gollum Facts. Number four. Gollum is actually Smeagol, but that's not even his real name. Schmeagol's not his real name either. Nope. In his more hobbity days, his fellow Stur knew Gollum as Schmeagol, but that's not his real name, as his birth name was actually Trahald. This dude's had a lot of names. Schmeagol was merely a nickname, likely given to him because of his dirty hobbies. Oh, and because he used to hang out with his cousin Deagle. If he, like, oh, calling... Schmeagol and Deagle, right. Yeah, you'd call him, like, like calling two dudes frickin' frack. Right, exactly. Here comes okay. Deagle. Oh, and Schmeagol, too, you know? Yeah, these two fucking morons. The... Here comes the blowjob brothers. Treyhold and, you know, Sayhold. You know, that doesn't make as much sense. Schmeagol yeah. and Deagle sounds funnier. Yeah, that's a pretty good nickname for two little shitty kids. Number five. There are only a few ring bearers in the nerdy Lord of the Ring story. Yeah, yeah I imagine it's got to be finite. And once you get it, you want to hang on to it. There are a few... Well, you shouldn't. There are a few Middle-Earthers to achieve ring bearer status. Sauron mm. had the ring for 1,840 years. Before Long time. Losing. Was he nice before he had the ring? I don't think so. Didn't he make the ring? Yes. Yeah, so probably not. I don't think you make that kind of ring if you're a nice guy. Maybe we'll do Sauron Origins and make that a comedy as well. Yeah, <laughs> when he's just like, a, it'll be like... A... Jewel, jeweler, he'll be a funny jeweler and Will Ferrell will play him. But it'll be in the style of like a Dirty Work starring Norman <laughs> <laughs> And Artie Lang. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring him back. He doesn't and Don Rickles. <laughs> Uh, we will have a tougher time bringing back bringing him back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sauron had the ring for eighteen hundred and forty years before losing it in battle to Isildur. Uh, mm. Two years later, Isildur—I like that better—dropped it in Anduin River for Deagle to find. 
Oops. Deagle held it for moments until Schmeagel murdered him and stole it. Mm-hmm. Bilbo had it for 60 years before gifting it to Frodo. Mm-hmm. Frodo had it for 17 years, and Sam had it for two days. But Gollum held onto the ring for 478 years, making him the second longest running ring bearer after Sauron. And that's why he's all fucked up. Yeah, he. it says he spent, they worked out the math, because nerds, he spent yeah. 81% of his life obsessing over the ring of power. Yeah, boy. Couldn't, wouldn't be me. I'd be like, eh, no. I got I other care. things going on. I'm not into jewelry. I yeah, I just the wedding ring, and every now and then, I like to wear a tie clip at work. That's all I need. Oh, really? That's that's professional though. Yeah, and it also because I have to do a lot of lifting and stuff, it'll keep the tie out of the way. That's pragmatic. Number six, Gollum is officially mentally ill. Okay. In a 2004 article, a group of psychiatric students diagnosed Gollum with schizoid personality disorder. They described Gollum as a single 587-year-old hobbit-like male of no fixed abode, exhibiting antisocial behavior, increased aggression, and preoccupation with the One Ring. In an Mm. attempt to exclude organic causes for his symptoms, they attribute his physical appearance to malnutrition because of his raw fish diet and his lifestyle. They also note that he is not symptomatic of schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder, but displays seven of nine criteria for schizoid personality disorder. Okay, well, who am I to argue with the medical professionals? Yeah. Do you have any more golem or golem? Do you have any more golem? Is there more golem? That that was that was three more. That was no. We're we're at the end of the golem. Are we also at the end of the golem? Oh, oh! I thought you said golem again. No, no, I, yeah, no, I, are we, are we out of Golem? Uh, we have a little more Golem. Okay, let's, let's bang out the Golem. Culture in, in the, uh, the Golem is a popular figure. I just wanted to mention in the Czech Republic. That's, it's just an important part of its history. Okay. A- at large or just among, uh, the Jewish Czechoslovakians? No, at large. Oh, that's interesting that they, that that's part of a Jewish culture that sort of crossed over to a larger culture. That's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it did cross over. And, of course, the Jews themselves didn't cross over well in the Czech Republic. No, they probably they probably wiped out that part. I, yeah, I, that part, that part no out, longer with us. Like, no, that's just a stone guy. That's just a yeah. cool guy that's made of mud. Yeah, we call him stone guy. He's cool. He's our thing. He's Czechoslovakian. Yeah. You know about Czechoslovakian folklore, stone guy. Yeah, he's not. That's one hundred percent. You think Czechoslovakia? You think Stone Guy? Yeah, <laughs> baby. <Yeah. laughs> the nineteen fifteen. I'm gonna get rid of that one after this week, but I thank you. Really Jesus. made me laugh. <laughs> I know. I'm glad. I, I love when you have a good time. That makes me happy. The nineteen fifteen novel by Gustav Mayrink, The Golem, was briefly mm. popular. That's probably why it's big in Czechoslovakia and did much to keep the imagination about the golem going. Many restaurants and other businesses have named that reference the creature and a Czech strongman, Rene Richter, goes by the nickname Golem. A Czech monster truck outfit calls itself the Golem Team. Sick. And, and then last but not least, there's the Clayboy Golem variation. Uh, a Yiddish and Slavic, of course, Slavic now, they... Take credit. Yes. With yeah, also us. Yeah, we have a guy Slavic. that's like that too. Who knows who made it up? It's kind of like how in Star Trek, Klingons claim that uh, they wrote Shakespeare. Really? Yeah, they're just like, no, we wrote those. 
<laughs> Wait, maybe they did. How do you know they didn't? Exactly. At, at In the year 24 or whatever, how would you know? Uh, oh, they claim they wrote it even though we know... Oh, I, oh they're such assholes. <laughs> the folktale of the Clayboy combines elements of the... I think I've read a magazine called Clayboy, which is inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which combines elements of the golem and the gingerbread man. Okay. In which a lonely couple makes a child out of clay oh. with disastrous or comical consequences. Uh, in one common Russian version, an older couple, uh, this is going to be a sad ending, I'm sure, in the Russian version, and then we all starve. Yeah, uh, not a lot of happy endings in Russian yeah. literature. We couldn't afford another child and we'll starve. Uh, then I we... sent to prison. Yeah, gulag for all of us. An older couple, whose children have left home, made a boy out of clay and dry him by their hearth. The clay boy comes to life. At first, the couple is delighted and treats him like a real child. But mm. the clay boy does not stop growing. and eats all of their food, then their livestock, and then he eats his parents. Yeah, there you go. There you have, that's why you don't have clay boys. In Russia, nothing ends up well. <laughs> In communist Russia, Clayboy eats you! <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and that is the end of the Golem research. Thank you for joining me with, uh, on, on, that, on that journey. Well, I gotta say, the Golem sounds pretty crazy to me. Very crazy. It's, they're crazy that... Do you think if you went to your rabbi, do you think he could make a Golem? Do you think he knows how? Uh, I don't have a rabbi currently. Uh, I oh. have not been to synagogue since my... Uh, well, I went when my daughter got bat mitzvah, and before that, I went when I got uh, bar mitzvah. All right, fair enough. Well, then I guess there's no way to know. And there, But what I really want to know is, because the golem sounds so crazy to me, mm -hmm. it just sounds crazy, but can <laughs> it love... werewolf ain't my dad but it's not so bad it might sound crazy but can it love can it give me a kiss can it hold my hand would it say i love you does it understand does it know that i've never felt this way before there's a full moon tonight so romantic and this might sound crazy but can it love can it love so what do you think even can the golem love if you uh command it to i think it would have to interesting you uh, see i don't think you can command something to love I listen. The rules are: you command it to do something, it does it. I think you say develop emotions and start loving her now, and it will be like it'll become a poet. I think. I think because that's one of the differences between golem and human, and why God can make a living man, but we can only make golems. Is that men and and women can love, and non-binary people can love, right? Uh, but. Uh, uh, Golem, I don't think can. That's my two takes on it. That's my one take. I don't know I why think I said you command him. I think you command him. I think he's going to love. 
Okay, well, fair enough. Now, what what's your dream first date with what I described, this, this golem creature? That's a very good question. My dream date with the golem... Maybe maybe it's because I think there was a comic book that was called The Golem and it was about an old-timey baseball player, uh-huh. a Jewish baseball player in like the Moberg. 40s. Uh I don't know if it's about a real one or not. Oh, Hank Greenberg maybe. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Uh but it was about him. Uh so yeah, I I want to take uh The Golem to a ball game. That's awesome. That's a really great place to Get take some them. cracker jacks. Little pennants to wave. <laughs> really do it do they have like retro days where you can do that where you get pennants you could get a pennant now i mean you don't need retro day you no, can get a but a everybody foam. wears like oversized fur coats and straw boaters <laughs> no they, guess, they no, don't do that it's a summer game you don't want to wear an oversized fur coat no you don't want to do that and he also could melt it's true or bake but oh he could yeah <laughs> he could he could become a, a pot <laughs> yeah, he could. We we could effectively turn him into a uh, kiln inside that fur coat. Yeah. What's your dream first date with the golem? I, um, kind of on the same note, would take him to a pottery studio. Oh, okay. Uh, in Westport, I think there's one, and I would make him at the pottery studio. I would make him like a necklace or a watch or like just a wristband, something out of clay that I could affix to him. Hmm. Yeah, because it would work for him because he's clay. Yeah. Right. Or I could make him a pet or something. You can make him anything and, you know, at, at, yeah. just anything at the at the Westport Pottery Studio. And I think, like, it's a way where you can touch each other in a non-threatening way. You know, your hands. You know, like, so you think like you're going to try thing. and do a ghost situation? Yeah, yeah. But I wonder how often that, that happens at the Westport Pottery Center. Do you think probably, like, once a month? I bet you they have weekly... Uh, Pottery and wine night, and I bet you people fuck afterwards, like every week. Uh, yeah, but how often do you think they ghost? Uh, like their hands touch in the clay. Yeah, where one of them's at the wheel and the other one's behind them. No, 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 like, that's not what I'm describing. I said their hands touch in the clay. Ghost has to be from behind. Yeah, it has to be at the wheel from behind. Once a month, because someone's funny. Yeah, you know, like a, a funny guy, like, oh, honey. <laughs> if you're Look saying they're fucking after these classes, you should go take a pottery class. It also might just be fun. I like pottery. I had an Aunt Marion who was a pottery person, and uh, she killed my grandpa. Oh, shit. Maybe maybe don't then. Maybe there's some bad uh, bad. Juju she had there. a cold, and she went to visit him in the hospice. Oh. And you're not, you shouldn't do that, Aunt Marion. Oh, I thought you meant she shot him. Oh, no, it was just as bad, though, because she killed him. Well, okay, then maybe it's safe. Maybe, yeah, you could go take a pottery class. Maybe you'll meet somebody. Maybe, and maybe I'll just enjoy it. Yeah, Yeah, and also it could just be a fun way to de-stress. Couldn't hurt, and probably like, what, 45 bucks for the intro class? I don't know. Well, we found out that it may, may love, it may not, but are you wondering anything else? Well, I'm kind of wondering, uh, can it... Do that nasty thing <laughs> that we call fucking. <laughs> that sounds crazy, what do you think? Does it do that nasty thing that we call fucking? If you molded a big clay like golem dick and command it to do some fucking, it's gonna do some fucking. That's like, cause that's not 
emotional either. That's a, a physical no. act. It, it'll definitely do it if commanded. And and you can determine the size of its genitals or the shape. Yeah, I'm going to say I could give it uh, any kind of hole that I want, and I could put that hole anywhere on its body that I wanted. Yeah, or multiple holes. Do you want to put a, a butthole at the end of each of its boobs? We can do that. <laughs> Uh, I hadn't thought about it, but I'm going to take it. Do you want it to have nipples for eyes? We can do that. Well, can it see out of them, or or do they open the nipples like lids? Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna barf. Uh, <laughs> it's fight night. Fight. All right, we've got in this corner, Dare mm. Golem. Mm. In that corner, we've got seven foot one, three hundred and fifty pound prime Shaquille O'Neal. All right, so give me a uh, size and weight on the Golem. What do you think? Depends how big you build him. So let's say I built a a Shaq sized Golem. Okay, okay, that seems fair. I was let's use my mind. that for all of. Let's use that for all of them because if I wanted to make a dominant golem, I'd probably mold him in the shack size. I was gonna make it nine feet tall, five hundred pounds. Okay, that's a better idea. Let's make I'm him. I'm gonna feet make tall, it a fucking pounds. slab of beef. Yes, let's. Yes, let's go. Let's for make it, it what they say tall. when you what you think Andre the Giant is when you look at him. Nine feet tall, five hundred pounds. I think he really was five hundred pounds. By the way, he was he was a big boy. But definitely like those size of hands where you, he could probably hold like five cans of beer at once. Do you know he would drink like cases of beer on the, during one car ride? Yeah, they asked him he had, when he had to get open heart surgery because because of his size, they had no idea what kind of anesthesia to <laughs> for him. So they asked him for like a baseline. When you get drunk, what do you do? And he's like, well. Uh, I will normally, if I drink an entire bottle of vodka, I will start to feel a buzz. Oh my God. He was such a big dude. You just have to hit him in the head with something and do the surgery. Yeah. You just gotta, well, he'll probably just live. Let's just, well, I'd say tie him down and let's just do it. <laughs> but he'd be too strong for whatever we use to tie him down. So yeah, we got a nine foot tall, 500 pound golem. Yes. Andre Made the out of golem. clay. Andre the golem. Yeah. God, that's what he should have been. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say you're going to need Shaq still got the speed. The golem's kind of slow. Oh yeah. And, and Shaq was very quick in his prime. Is he good? Shaq. I'm pretty sure doesn't read Hebrew. I, I wouldn't say he doesn't. We don't know that. Yeah. Well, and this is prime Shaq. I'm going to say if he did, he, what he didn't read Hebrew in college. I'm going to guess. Bahu it. I don't know. I'm for I mean, yeah, you might have learned something phonetically, Shaq. Right. But I don't I don't think you can you you sit down and read the Torah on your casual Saturday night. I'm more of a Talmud person. No, it's true. You've always been more into academia. We all know that about you, Shaq. We're not saying anything that the audience doesn't know. That's true. That is true. Uh so I'm gonna say that uh I'm I'm gonna say you're gonna want two Shaqs. I agree, actually. Exactly right. Yeah, I think two shacks could get him. I think the golem could get lucky. So I would say two, probably three for sure. 
Now, how about we have the golem versus the golem with the ring? Okay, so the ring can make golem invisible. And I, it does give him a certain amount of limited magical command. He might be able to command the golem. Does it also make him tricksy? Uh, yeah, it does make him a little clever. And he loves riddles. So he's the type of guy that right. might figure out the Aleph situation. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put this one on uh, Gollum with the ring. Wow. Well, the ring is very powerful. It is. It's a very powerful artifact. So we have the Golem versus the Molem, which is a Golem who can burrow through dirt and attack from underground. All right. So he's going to have one more trick than the Golem, right? And when it, when all things being equal, if one guy just has an extra trick, an extra skill set, that this I'm it, and obviously if I'm the golem that's fighting the molem, I'm not going to see that coming. See, sometimes I think that when you stretch your original skill set too far, you water down some of your other skills. Okay, well, you didn't mention anything like that happening. Well, I'm just saying sometimes. I'm just I mean, it, that it's out true. There. It's true. You might be, you know, straying too far from your fundamentals. Yeah, but I will say. In just a one-on-one, one-time-only fight, then the golem I don't think is going to have the uh, have done the research, right. watch the tapes to know that the molem is going to be coming out with this. We so have, I'm putting on the molem. <laughs> we have the golem versus Hagrid. Okay, Hagrid, the half giant from the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That is correct. That's right. Ooh, from. in magical. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to put this on the golem. Really? Yeah. I mean, if he's nine foot tall, 500 pounds. So is Hagrid. Yeah, but Hagrid's not also made out of clay and dominant. Like, I don't think golems get tired. And we always say stamina is such a big oh, deal. Oh, cardio. Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you're, you're really upset that I was able to defend that. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, I can't argue with it. Um, no, uh, number, I didn't number them. Five. Golem versus Santa Claus. Ooh, okay. Santa Claus knows a lot about automatons. He knows a mm-hmm. lot about magic. And, of course, he's based on St. Christopher D'Aubert, just the patron state of thieves. Hey, uh, Chris here. Just wanted to mention uh, my mistake. Santa Claus is actually based on St. Nicholas. I was thinking of St. Nicholas, patron saint of thieves and children. Uh, He will know to steal that Aleph right off of the golem's head. He's the patron saint of thieves? Thieves and children. So stealing children is what No, no. Not thieves who steal children. I think those would be thieves. I think St. Christopher would get mad at those thieves. Oh, okay. I think he would no longer offer his protection. He's not the patron saint of kidnappers. Well, thieves who steal children are still thieves, I'd say. I Well, maybe St. Christopher would beg to differ. Okay. We'll have and to this is, you. of course, not St. Christopher the Canisiphilus, the giant with the head of a dog that carried the baby Christ across the river. <laughs> That's the St. Christopher that I consider myself named after. He is no longer considered canonical. Is he going to win? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Saint, Santa Claus has got it. Okay, we have the golem versus having to sit behind Lauren Bobert at Beetlejuice in Denver, Colorado. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'd much rather be sitting next to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put that one on uh, the golem. <laughs> that poor guy. That would be so, that is so bizarre. I love your clay dick. Could you be quiet in front? <laughs> that's a gen, that's got to be genuinely a sign of being a, a strange person. Or a you know drunk. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've got, well, I'm not getting that drunk at a stage production of Beetlejuice is also a sign of being a very strange person. I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Especially and the other at, thing is like, at even, her age. Would you want to get that drunk? at? I mean, And by the way, I don't think she, I think she was drunk, but not drunk enough for her. I think her behavior was just her behavior and she was also drunk. I don't think it was like she was drunk. So she acted like that. Yeah. All right. I, we I, have, I, oh yeah, well, we, we wouldn't anyway. want to sit behind her. We'd like to sit next to her. Well, well put because she's so attractive uh, in the face. And Yeah. Just, and boy, brains too. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? The just ideas, just it's uh, high level ideas. Um, we have the golem versus a mean-spirited nine-year-old girl who spits hydrofluoric acid. Okay. So we're assuming that uh, in a fight to that death, she's going to be spitting. You know what? I'm going to say she's not going to be able to produce enough volume of spit to really do any damage to the golem. I'm going to put this on the golem. I disagree. Uh, what do you think? She's going to start spitting at the feet, get them on the ground? Well, hydrofluoric acid, it just burns its way right through clay. Yeah, but I mean, this dude's pretty big. Well, I guess I'd have to I'd have to see how it does volume for volume. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. She, yeah, I should have said like she spits it like the dinosaur from Jurassic Park. Then would you give it to her or no? Uh, yeah, if she could start producing something like that, she might be able to go for the eyes. She's got that kind of distance, and she's mean, and she's really mean. So she would pull punches. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And that was fight night. Wow. What a fight. What a night. Tell me, Ethan, do you have any more? Layla presents Gollum Facts. Number seven. Gollum in the Fab Four, but still not Pete Best. Okay. In 1968, the Beatles pitched a Hobbit film to Stanley Kubrick. Their version cast Paul as Frodo. Perfect. George as Gandalf. Yep. Ringo as Sam. Definitely. John Lennon, meanwhile, would play Gollum. Yes, this is that's perfect. Tolkien still owned the film rights at the time and was not a fan of the Beatles, so he Weak. mixed the idea. We, I guess 19... he's more a fan of World War One. <laughs> Boo! In, in 1969, Tolkien sold the rights to United Artists under the stipulation that they never let the Beatles do it. Ah, damn! That would have been sick. That would have been. I don't know if I would like that. It's like yellow, <laughs> sub, yellow submarine mixed with Lord of the Rings. I like John as Gollum. That's funny to me. That is funny. Oh, the precious it's to his voice. Uh, the precious. <laughs> <laughs> say, 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 Pete Best is a loser. Like him. Uh, Pete Best is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that's not that was great. Are you I, I kidding? I was doing a lilting northern English. It was great. Number eight. How Smeagol got the name Gollum. 
not how Trafalgar got the name Schmeagle, mind you. No, we know Schmeagle because he hung out with Deagle. Right. The movies revealed that he Gollum... hung out with Gollum. Yeah. The movies revealed that Gollum was uh, actually the sound that Schmeagle made when he coughed. Mm. As time passed, Schmeagle forgot everything about his previous life, and he renamed himself Gollum after his tuberculosis-like symptoms. It's rough. <laughs> Me needs a name. <laughs> That's good. Perfect. Perfect. I'll go with that. You call me a hacking wheeze. <laughs> Number nine. Gollum is an elf bigot. Well, I mean, that's fair. Elves suck. No, fairies suck because they steal your babies. Elves think they're fucking better than me. Do they have that air about them? They definitely give me that vibe. They have think you ever had an elf at your everybody. post office? No, no, we don't have too many in central Kansas. Uh, not a big elf population. So Gollum no. is an elf bigot. In the books, Gollum was so consumed by the One Ring's darkness and evil that he actually hated elves. Despite wow. their flaws and dark past, the elves were Middle Earth's kindest and purest race. Purest race? That's not... Yeah, no. Uh, I didn't write Oaken that. has his problems. Yeah, that's purest race. When yeah. Gollum was in the care of the elves, he schemed with orcs to escape because he couldn't stand how nice the elves were to him. Classic Gollum. Classic Gollum. So Gollum. Boy, I gotta tell you, when you tell me these tales of the Golem, yes. I think of every Jewish person that I've ever wronged. I can't <laughs> think of that many. But, you know, here in society, what if they want to take revenge on me? I'm quaking in my boots. You have to tell me. Ethan is real. Is real? Check it, the Bavaka Shah. Hey! Well, let me tell you. Uh, one major historian in the Jewish community, uh, a Dr. Rosenberg, that's a real name, yeah, claimed. No that the book of the Maharal story was based upon a manuscript that he found in the main library in Metz. And Maharal is generally recognized in academic circles to be a literary hoax. Mm. Gershom Sholem observed that the manuscript contains not ancient legends, but modern fiction. Really? The Jewish Encyclopedia of 1906 cites the historical work Zimach David, by David Gans. That reminds me of Mons, like Mons Pubis. David Gans, Gans. Mons, sorry. A Disciple of the Maharal, published in 1592. In it, Gans writes of, uh, no, Glans. It reminds me of Glans. That, like, yeah, it's uh, much closer to Glans. Yeah. In it, Glans writes of an audience between the Maharal and Rudolf II. Our hmm. Lord the Emperor, Rudolf, sent forward, called upon our master. Rabbi Loeb and Bezazel, and received him with a welcome and merry expression, spoke to him face to face as one would a friend. The nature and quality of their words are mysterious, sealed, and hidden. So basically they're saying that um, these, the story of the, the most famous story of the golem, the golem of Prague, is horseshit. Well, they would say that. They would, but also... There's like 40 more stories, so they can yeah. say all they want. But, I mean, even these people who, who are dead set 
on disproving the wonderful golem uh, having addressed all these other stories. Why not? If they're so interested. Yeah. And, and if they, somebody wrote that story back in the 1500s, then where did they get the golem from? Oh, they must have heard about it from somebody. The Slavs probably. Yeah. It probably is the proud Czechoslovakian people. (laughs) Hats you know, off to you. You know what do we do? Do an Israeli stealing it from the Slavs? <laughs> Listen now, what we need to do is <laughs> we go to Czechoslovakia. We steal uh, the the golem. We steal the golem. We bring it back to golem. We'll call it the golem, but they call it the, the stone man. It's the, the, the yeah. We steal the stone man. It's our golem. We bring golem. It, We bring the golem back to golem. I like that. Okay. So, is that the red light from Uncle Monster? It is. Oh my gosh, Uncle Monster, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty how are good. you? Uh, I'm more than pretty good. I'm great. I enjoyed the episode and I'm happy to see you, buddy. Thank you. Listen. Yeah. Listen to me. I am. Have you uh, have you ever seen the movie Dr. Giggles? I love Dr. Giggles. It's better than a lot of people say. It's good. It's a good movie. I love it. You get no argument from me. Wow. And is that Uncle Monster 2? Hi, Gimble. How are you? Did you call me Gimble? G- it's Jewish, isn't it? Gimble's on a dreidel. It's true. It means win... Yeah, you win, Gibble. Yeah, that's the best one to get. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, nothing, you're the winner. Hooray. If you're a fan of Battle Raper for the PC by Illusionsoft, I suggest checking out Child's Play 3. Someone finds Chucky's remains from the end of the second movie and makes a new Chucky doll. It follows Andy to military school. Who wouldn't greenlight that pitch? Spoil alert. Chucky's actually a serial killer named Charles Lee Ray. Not a doll at all. Wow. Interesting. I I always recommend two when I'm recommending a child's play. I recommended three. Takes all types. And it takes all of you listeners to make us uh, come back here every week. We thank you so much. Uh, We do really just want to put a button on this show by saying, uh, you, you know, we talked a lot about the Jewish people today. We may have had a lot of fun talking about the Jewish culture. And if you are an anti-Semite, as always, get a gun <laughs> and put it in your mouth and just just come to the right decision. Just come to the right decision. <laughs> and if uh, you're not uh, an anti-Semite and you're listening to our show, uh, you should go to uh, li- Patreon. Well, put to, the gun down first. Well, you never even got the gun if you're not. Oh, okay. I thought that everyone had guns. We're in America. No, uh, no, don't get them if you're not. Uh, and instead, go to patreon.com slash unclemonster6, where you can find a bunch of fun bonus episodes. Ooh, uh, movie reviews. Yeah, we've got our movie uh, franchises there, and we just finished our eight part series or our eight film series in four parts the Wynorski files covering the films of jim Wynorski. F- fantastic stuff i had a blast ethan hated every episode after the first one 
God, it, it was awful, but we had a great time. And now we're going to be starting up our series on paranormal activity. But don't just find us on Patreon. You can also find us on Instagram at Uncle Monster 6. You can find us on Blue Sky at Uncle Monster Podcast.bsky.social. And you can still find us on Twitter at Uncle Monster Podcast. Not as active there, but uh, that's just because Twitter uh, sucks now. It's a piece of shit. Elon Musk is a big cocksucker. He um, is speaking of anti-Semites, Elon. If you're listening to the show, <laughs> go get a gun. <laughs> tell him. Tell him. Put it in your mouth. Do it, Elon. And then just come to the right decision. Just all we can ask is that you come to the right decision. I know uh, what decision it is. And uh, until next time, listeners, <sighs> don't, don't get, get spooked. Get spooked.